The Fellowship of the Ring, Chapter 3. You ought to go quietly and you ought to go soon, said Gandalf. Two or three weeks had passed and still Frodo made no sign of getting ready to go. I know, but it's difficult to do both, Frodo objected. If I just vanish like Bilbo, the tale will be all over the Shire in no time. Of course you mustn't vanish, said Gandalf. That wouldn't do at all. I said soon, not instantly. If you can think of any way of slipping out of the Shire without its being generally known, it will be worth a little delay. But you must not delay too long. What about Autumn? Or after our birthday, asked Frodo, because Frodo and Bilbo have the same birthday. They're, mm-hmm. they're born several years apart, but same date. I think I could probably make some arrangements by then. To tell the truth, Frodo was very reluctant to start. Now that it had come to the point, Bag Inn seemed a more desirable residence than it had for years, and he wanted to savor as much as he could of his last summer in the Shire. When autumn came, he knew that part, at least of his heart, would think more kindly of journeying, as it always did at that season. He had indeed privately made up his mind to leave on his 50th birthday, Bilbo's 128th. It seemed somehow the proper day on which to set out and follow Bilbo. Following Bilbo was uppermost in his mind. And the one thing that made the thought of leaving bearable. Frodo thought as little as possible about the ring and where it might lead him in the end. But Frodo did not tell all his thoughts to Gandalf. What the wizard guessed was always difficult to tell. He looked at Frodo and smiled. Very well, he said. I think that will do, but it must not be any later. I am getting very anxious. In the meanwhile, do not... I'm sorry. Let me try that again. In the meanwhile, do take care and don't let out any hint of where you are going. And see that Sam Gamgee does not talk. If he does, I really shall turn him into a toad. Gandalf looked at Frodo and smiled. Very well, he said. I think that will do. But it must not be any later. Oops. <laughs> Reading the same part twice. Sorry about that. As for, as for where I am going, said Frodo, it would be difficult to, difficult to give that away, for I have no clear idea myself yet. Don't be absurd, said Gandalf. I am not warning you against leaving an address at the post office. But you are leaving the Shire, and that should not be known until you are far, far away. And you must go, or at least set out, either north, south, west, or east. And the direction should certainly not be known. I have been taken up 
I have been so taken up with the thoughts of leaving Bag End and of saying farewell that I have never even considered the direction, said Frodo. For where am I to go, and by what shall I steer? What is to be my quest? Bilbo went to find a treasure there and back again. But I go to lose one and not return, as far as I can see. What's the treasure he's trying to lose? The ring. The ring of power. The one ring. But you cannot see very far, said Gandalf. Neither can I. It may be your task to find the cracks of doom, but that quest may be for others. I do not know. At any rate, you are not ready for that long road yet. No, indeed, said Frodo. But in the meantime, what course am I to take? Towards danger, but not too rashly, nor too straight, answered the wizard. If you want my advice, make for Rivendell. That journey should not prove too perilous, though the road is less easy than it was, and it will grow worse as the year fails. Rivendell, said Frodo. Very good. I will go east, and I will make for Rivendell. I will take Sam to visit the elves. He will be delighted. He spoke lightly, but his heart was moved suddenly with a desire to see the house of Elrond, half-elven, and breathe the air of that deep valley where many of the fair folk still dwelt in peace. One summer's evening, an astonishing piece of news reached the ivy bush and green dragon. Giants and other portents on the borders of the Shire were forgotten for more important matters. Mr. Frodo was selling Bag End. Indeed, he had already sold it to the Sackville Bagginses. For a nice bit, too, said some. At a bargain price, said others. And what's more likely than Miss Lobelia's the buyer? Otho had died some years before at the ripe but disappointed age of a hundred and two. Just why Mr. Frodo was selling his beautiful hole was even more debatable than the price. A few held the theory, supported by the nods and hints of Mr. Frodo Baggins himself. The Frodo's money was running out. He was going to leave Hobbiton and live in a quiet way on the proceeds of the sale down in Buckland among his Brandybuck relations. As far from the Sackville Bagginses as may be, some added. But so firmly fixed had the notion of the immeasurable wealth of the Bagginses at Bag End. So fixed had the notion become that most found this hard to believe. Poverty was harder than any other reason or unreason that their fancy could suggest. To most it suggested a dark and as yet unrevealed plot by Gandalf. Though he kept himself very quiet and did not go about by day, it was well known that Gandalf was hiding up in Bag End. But somehow... Sorry, but however a removal might fit in with the designs of his wizardry, there was no doubt about the fact. Frodo Baggins was going back to Buckland.
Yes, I shall be moving this autumn, said Frodo. Mary Brandybuck is looking out for a nice little hole for me, or perhaps a small house. Can you go get the big cloth map that's over by my reading chair? It's uh, with the games. It's underneath a couple of them. And can you spread it out on the floor? It's a, it's a map of the Shire. Probably. Says the Shire, I think. Spread it out. Oh, don't walk on it. Oh, don't walk on it. I'm going to spread it out by walking on it. Can you go ahead and pull the corners and make it smooth? All right. Do you still have your ring of power? Have you, do you no, still have a ring? All right. Do you have any ring? No. All right, go get Sting. Will this work? Yes. Looks like the Arkenstone. All right, pull the four corners and smooth it out. Mm-hmm. Pull it away from the couch just a little bit so there's some room. Pull it away from the couch more. A bit more. All right, now, where is Bag End? Bag End, let me find it. Should it should be towards the middle. Let me find it. It'll be close. I think that's Bag End. It'll say Bag End on it. Oh, okay. Ooh, you're close you're close. Oops. You're close. It's, uh, that's, what's that say? It says Tuck Bro. Tuck Bro. Don't tell me. This I'm is Overhill. Stock Road. Overhill. Ooh, there, you're close. Overhill? Now go underneath Overhill. See it? It looks <laughs> like that. Is that it? That? Now where's Hobbiton? Hobbiton. This is Bywater. Bywater. Ooh, what's that say? Right there. Hamilton, you should right. really stop giving me clues. All right. What's that? There's a green door. Do you see it? There? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's back end. Mm. So go on. Oh, I put the ring there? Put that there? Yeah. <laughs> when asked... Bilbo replied, Yes, I shall be moving this autumn. Mary Brandybuck is looking out for a nice little hole for me, or perhaps a small house. As a matter of fact, with Mary's help, he had... Go for it, go for it. As a matter of fact, with Mary's help, he had already chosen and bought a little house at Crick Hollow in the country beyond Bucklebury. To all but Sam, he pretended he was going to settle down there permanently. The decision to set out eastward had su- had suggested sorry the decision to set out eastward had suggested the idea to him for Buckland was on the eastern borders of the Shire and as he had lived there in childhood his going back would at least seem credible Gandalf stayed in the Shire for over 2 months Then one evening, at the end of June, soon after Frodo's plan had been finally arranged, Gandalf suddenly announced that he was going off again the next morning. Only for a short while, I hope, he said. But I am going down beyond the southern borders to get some news, if I can. I have been idle longer than I should. He spoke lightly, but 
it seemed to Frodo that he looked rather worried. Has anything happened? asked Frodo. Well, no. But I've heard something that has made me anxious and needs looking into. If I think it necessary, after all, for you to go off at once, I shall come back immediately, or at least send word. In the meanwhile, stick to your plan. But be more careful than ever, especially for the ring. Let me impress on you once more. Don't use it. Gandalf left at dawn. I may be back any day, he said. At the very least, at the very latest, I shall come back for the farewell party. I think, after all, you may need my company on the road. At first, Frodo was a good deal disturbed and wondered often what Gandalf could have heard. But his uneasiness wore off, and in the fine weather he forgot his troubles for a while. The Shire had seldom seen so fair a summer or so rich an autumn. The trees were laden with apples, honey was dripping in the combs, and the corn was tall and full. Autumn was well underway before Frodo began to worry about Gandalf again. September was passing, and there was still no news of him. The birthday and the removal drew nearer, and still he had not come or sent word. Bag End began to be busy. Some some of Frodo's friends came to stay, and of course his special friends, Pippin Took and Mary Brandebuck. Between them, they turned the whole place upside down. The four younger hobbits were, however, in high spirits, and the party soon became very cheerful in spite of Gandalf's absence. The dining room was bare except for a table and chairs, but the food was good, and there was good wine. Frodo's wine was not, had not been included in the sale of the Sackville, to the Sackville Bagginses. Whatever happens to the rest of my stuff, when the SBs get their claws on it, at any rate, I have found a good home for this, said Frodo, as he drained his glass. It was the last drop of old Winyard's. When they had sung many songs and talked of many things that they had all done together, they toasted Bilbo's <sighs> birthday and they drank his health and Frodo's together according to Frodo's custom. <clears throat> then they went out for a sniff of air and glimpse of the stars. And when they went and then they went to bed. Frodo's party was over and Gandalf had not come. So he didn't go to his party for his birthday? So Gandalf or? said he was going to be back by the birthday party and he didn't come. Mm. They've been delayed. Oh no, that's scary. I know, that made, so, so, so Frodo is feeling nervous uh, because <clears throat> he doesn't want to do this without Gandalf. Mm-hmm. But Gandalf is not there and Gandalf said to leave by the birthday at the latest. So now what does he do? The next morning, they were busy packing another cart with the remains of the luggage. Mary took charge of this and drove off with Fatty, that is, Fredegar Bolger. Fatty? Yeah, his name's Fatty. (laughs) Someone must get there and warm the house before you arrive, said Mary. Well, see you later, the day after tomorrow, if you don't go to sleep on the way. 
Falco, that's Falco Boffin, is a good friend of everybody. Oh. Falco went home after lunch, but Pippin remained behind. Frodo was restless and anxious, listening in vain for a sound, for a sound of Gandalf. <laughs> he decided to wait until nightfall. After that, if Gandalf wanted him urgently, he would go to Crick Hollow and Crick might Hollow. even get there first. Yep. Crick Hollow is, is where... So what had happened, Jack, is Frodo had told all of his friends, neighbors, and relations that he was moving to Buckland. And in Buckland, there's, he, had, he had bought a little cottage um, with Fatty's help. Oh. And it's a place called Crick Hollow. That little cottage is called Crick Hollow. Oh, this one? No, no, that's, that's Bag End. Crick Hollow is over here. Let me point at it. Let me point at it. You ready? I think I lost it. I lost it. So this... Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, did you did you misplace it? Mm-hmm. All right. It's right there. But I think it was right here for some reason. No, no. It's over there. Mm-hmm. So it's above Hobbiton. It's north of Hobbiton, mm-hmm. just on the other side of the river there. And then over here, over here is Crick Hollow. Let's see. Uh, this is the old forest. This is Buckland. And I think Crick Hollow is... Excuse me. I think Crick Hollow is like right over here somewhere. Down there. Does that say it? What do I say it right there? What does that say? Crick Hollow. There it is. So that's that's where he... That's a cottage he said he purchased right there. Mm-hmm. It's next to this big hedge. Do you see the hedge? Mm-hmm. And this is called the Old Forest. This is big hole. This is Old Forest. You see this clearing right here? Yeah. It's called the Bonfire Glade. Right. Um, is this where um? This is where Tom Bombadil lives. Is it evil? Is it a dark forest? Oh yes, it's not in any of the movies. I'll I'll read it to you someday. Okay. Wonder why it's not in any of the movies. Is it too scary? No, no. Uh, I'll explain it another day. Why it's not in the movies? But they took Tom Bombadil out because he's he could be kind of confusing. All right. Let's see. Oh. Didn't know that. Falco went home after lunch, but Pippin remained behind. Frodo was restless and anxious, listening in vain for the sound of Gandalf. He decided to wait until nightfall. After that, if Gandalf wanted him urgently, he would go to Crick Hollow. For Frodo was going on foot. His plan for pleasure, and a last look at the Shire as much as any other reason was to walk from Hobbiton to Buckleberry Ferry, taking it fairly easy. I shall get myself a bit into training, too, Frodo had said, looking at himself in a dusty mirror in the half-empty hall. He had not done any strenuous walking for a long time, and the reflection looked rather flabby, he thought. After lunch, the Sackville Bagginses, Lobelia and her sandy-haired son Lotho, turned up much to Frodo's annoyance. Ours at last, said Lobelia, as she stepped inside. It was not polite, nor strictly true, for the sale of Bag Inn did not take effect until midnight. But Lobelia can perhaps be forgiven. She had been obliged to wait about 77 years longer for Bag Inn than she had once hoped. And she was now a hundred years old. Anyway, 
She had come to see that nothing she had paid for had been carried off, and she wanted the keys. It took a long while to satisfy her, as she had bought a complete in as she as she had brought a complete inventory with her and went right through it. In the end, she departed with Lotho and the spare key and the promise that the other key would be left at the Gamgees on in Bagshot Row. She snorted and showed plainly that she thought the Gamgees capable of plundering the hole during the night. Frodo did not offer her any tea. He took his own tea with Pippin and Sam in the kitchen. It had been officially announced that Sam was coming to Buckland, quote, to do for Mr. Frodo and look after his bit of gardening, an arrangement, an arrangement that was approved by the gaffer, though it did not console him for the prospect of having Lobelia as a neighbor. Is she mean? Oh, she's just cranky. Mm. Our last meal at Bag Inn, said Frodo, pushing back his chair. They left the washing up for Lobelia. Pippin and Sam strapped up their three packs and piled them in the porch. Pippin went out for a last stroll in the garden, and Sam disappeared. The sun went down. Bag Inn seemed sad and gloomy and disheveled. Frodo wandered round the familiar rooms and saw the light of the sunset fade on the walls and shadows creep out of the corners. It grew slowly dark indoors. He went out and walked down to the gate at the bottom of the path, and then on a short way down the hill road. He half expected to see Gandalf come striding through the dusk. The sky was clear and the stars were starting to grow bright. It's going to be a fine night, he said aloud. That's good for a beginning. I feel like walking. I can't bear any more hanging about. I'm going to start and Gandalf must follow me. He turned to go back and then stopped, for he heard voices. Just round the corner by the end of Bagshot Row. One voice was certainly the old gaffer's. The other was strange and somehow unpleasant, whispering, hissing a little bit. He could not make out what was said, but he heard the gaffer's answers, which were rather shrill. The old man seemed put out. That is, put out of temper. No. Not crazy. Mr. Baggins has gone away. Went this morning, and my Sam went with him. Anyway, his stuff went. Yes, sold and gone, I tell ye. Why? Why is none of my business or yours? Where to? That ain't no secret. He's moving to Buckland or some such place way down yonder. Yes, it is a tidy way. I've never been so far myself. There's queer folk in Buckland. (laughs) No, I can't give no message. Good night to you. Footsteps went away down the hill. Frodo wondered vaguely... Why the fact that they did not come 
on up the hill seemed a great relief. I am sick of questions and curiosity about my doings, I suppose, he thought. What an inquisitive lot they all are. He had half a mind to go and ask the gaffer who the inquirer was. But he thought better, or worse, of it, and turned and walked quickly back to Bag End. Pippin was sitting on his pack in the porch. Sam was not there. Frodo stepped inside the dark door. Sam, he said. Sam, it's time. Coming, sir, said the answer from far within, followed soon by Sam himself, wiping his mouth. He had been saying farewell to the beer barrel in the cellar. All aboard, Sam, said Fro. Said Frodo. <laughs> Fro? Fro. Fro and Bell. Yes, sir. I'll just last for a bit now, sir. Sir. Frodo shut and locked the round door and gave the key to Sam. Run this down to your home, Sam, he said. Then cut along the row and meet us as quick as you can at the gate in the lane beyond the meadows. We are not going through the village tonight. Too many ears pricking and eyes prying. Sam ran off at full speed. Well, now, we're off at last, said Frodo. They shouldered their packs and took up their sticks and walked round the corner to the west side of Bag End. Goodbye, said Frodo, looking at the dark, blank windows. He waved his hand and then turned and, following Bilbo, if he had known it, hurried after Peregrine down the garden path. They jumped over the low place in the hedge at the bottom and took to the fields, passing into the darkness like a rustle in the grasses. At the bottom of the hill, on its western side, they came to the gate opening onto a narrow lane. There they halted and adjusted the straps of their packs. Presently, Sam appeared, trotting quickly and breathing hard. His heavy pack was hoisted high on his shoulders, and he had put on his head a tall, shapeless felt bag, which he called a hat. In the gloom, he looked very much like a dwarf. I am sure you have given me all the heavy stuff, said Frodo. I pity snails and all they carry their homes on their backs. I could take a lot more yet, sir. My pack is quite light, said Sam, stoutly and untruthfully. No, you don't, Sam, said Pippin. It's good for him. He's got nothing except what he ordered us to pack. He's been slack lately, and he'll feel the weight less when he's walked off some of his own. Be kind to an old hobbit, laughed Frodo. I shall be as thin as a willow wand, I'm sure, before I get to Buckland. But I am talking nonsense. I suspect you have taken more than your share, Sam. And I shall look into it at our next packing. He picked up his stick again. Well... We, are, we all like walking in the dark, he said. So let's put some miles behind us before bed. For a short way, they followed the lane westwards. Then leaving it, they turned left 
and took quietly to the fields again. They went in single file along hedgerows and the borders of coppices, and night fell dark about them. In their dark cloaks they were as invisible as if they all had magic rings. Since they were all hobbits, they were, and because they were trying to be silent, there was no noise that even hobbits would hear. Even the wild things in the fields and woods hardly noticed their passing. After some time, they crossed the water west of Hobbiton by a narrow plank bridge. The stream was there no more. Sorry, let me try that again. The stream was there no more than a wide... Let's try it again. The stream was there no more than a wide... Wow. The stream was there... The stream there was no more than a winding black ribbon bordered with leaning alder trees. A mile or two further south, they hastily crossed the great road from the Brandywine Bridge. They were now in the Tookland, and bending southeastwards, they made for the Green Hill Country. As they began to climb its first slopes, they looked back and saw the lamps in Hobbiton, far off twinkling in the gentle valley of the water. Soon it disappeared in the folds of the darkened land and was followed by Bywater beside its great gray pool. When the light of the last farm was far behind, peeping among the trees, Frodo turned and waved a hand. In farewell. I wonder if I shall ever look into this valley again, Frodo said quietly.